0: Um it's nice to see all of you. Thanks for making the effort to come to church today. <clears throat> that is our privilege and our religious duty, right? To our God and our creator, right? We believe that this sacred time is so important that to violate it is a sin and would ultimately keep us out of the presence of God. It's extremely important. And we understand that there's going to be a pushback against this holy time in the near future called the Sunday law. And when that is enforced, that will uh, constitute the mark of the beast. So by the grace of God, we need to get good now at keeping the Sabbath holy. Isn't that right? Yes, yeah. To show our loyalty to our creator. Yeah. So let's bow our heads just briefly and then uh, take some time as the Lord enables to open his word. Father in heaven, we are very thankful for these moments that we can gather in divine worship in your house on thy holy day. Father, we approach thy throne with trembling, with humility, but also with faith, knowing that, as Jesus said, the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me, and I believe that I came out from God. Lord, I pray that you open our minds and our hearts today to your word, that thou will lead, guide, and direct us. Please guide my mind and my lips. And I pray that all will focus upon our Redeemer, who has done so much for us and who is soon to come in power to this world to pluck out of here his precious people. Bless us now, we pray. Guide us. We ask it in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. So last time we were together, we took a look at uh, Revelation chapter 14. Uh, th- that's basically uh, what I would like to do uh, with you today in church, is consider the three angels' messages. Um, the, the whole Bible is really an illumination of the three angels' messages. So the better we learn the whole Bible, the better we will learn the three angels' messages. But the three angels' messages are to be our focus and our study. Um, So let's um, open the Bible and consider some of the things that it has to say. I would like for you to go to Revelation chapter 14 for the moment, and we will look at these messages briefly. for sake of time, I will not read the entirety of them, but we will ponder these main things here briefly. If you're in Revelation chapter 14, I'm taking a look at verse 6 uh, from the regular King James Bible, Revelation 14:6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. And every nation and kindred and tongue and people saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying Babylon has fallen, has fallen that great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So when I was with you last time, uh, I don't have the book with me, but I had along with me the the little commentary called 7A, which is uh, quotes from Ellen G. White on various chapters in the Bible. And I read to you a couple statements in that book uh, on Revelation chapter 14. Uh, One of those statements said that the three angels' messages uh, in Revelation chapter 14 Represent those who receive the gospel fully, and with power, open it up to the world. So this is uh, the the three angels' messages are describing the latter rain and the, the power that the the um, will go with it, but it it that three angels' messages will be proclaimed through human beings, obviously with the help of holy angels and the presence of the Spirit of God, uh, because nothing can be done without heaven's help. Um, Another statement right in that same section in that book said something like this, that Revelation 14 will soon be understood in all of its bearings. So there's going to be a lot of very uh, dedicated, prayerful study to examine this chapter in the Bible. Because these three messages represent the final call to this earth. And it's quite intense. For one, it's final, which means it's eternal Either eternal life or eternal death. It's also intense because... Thank you very much, brother. That's so nice of you, brother Bill. It's also intense because of the numbers of people that are on this earth right now. You know, there's a statement in the book, Christ's Object Lessons, page 176, that says the, the attention of the entire universe is focused on this world because Christ has paid... An infinite price for the souls of its inhabitants. I believe it's in the book, Story of Redemption, where she says that when Christ was on this earth, the pushback from the powers of darkness was so intense and their purpose was to drive Christ back off the ground And back to heaven so that he would not make his sacrifice here. But she says, I was shown if only two had received his mission, that Christ would have gone through with it. She steps it up in the book Desire of Ages, as you know, and says one. Big, big, big. Brothers and sisters, is there any other science more important than the science of salvation? Is there any other organization more important than the organization of God's church on earth? Tell me. Should we not be animated and thoughtful and focused? What is more important than eternity? Right? It's big. It's really big. Now, when you look at the three angels' messages, and certainly the book of Revelation, and certainly the Bible, you're going to see uh, two sides. The third angel, he says, if any man worship the beast, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. He also concludes his message by saying, in verse 12, here is the patience of the saints, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So you have two groups. And we know the majority of the world is going to follow the beast, which we know is the organization called the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. Revelation 13, it says, And all the world wondered after the beast. Of course, the third angel's message points to an exception of that. And he points to a group, and he says, Here they are. The majority of the world is following the beast they are caving in to his pressure, his day, their own fleshy lusts. But here is a group of people who are partakers of the divine nature, and the third angel says, Look at them. Here they are. Here they are. Here is he's pointing to them. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And of course. This is going to rile the uh, devil himself and the powers of darkness. And so what they're going to do is they're going to put pressure on the earth to make a law. and, uh, And they will make a law to put pressure on people to worship on Sunday, which is dedicated to Roman Catholicism in opposition to the government of God. Let me share something with you. The devil is doing everything he can in your life right now to push you to the other side of the great controversy. And it's called S I N. And he can make it look really good. But don't buy into his bait. Because sin is a deception. It depraves human beings, it separates them from God, and it's a deception. So the third angel says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Um, The first angel says, the hour of his judgment has come. Okay. We understand prophetically that since 1844, the investigative judgment began. The books of record are being gone over in heaven. Everybody who's professed the name of Christ, their lives will be examined to see whether or not they've, For one, repented of all their sins. Number two, and overcome all their sins. Now, this is solemn. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves, right? Mm -hmm. But also, Jesus can save to how far? To the uttermost. To the uttermost. Yeah, exactly. Um, When you look at Revelation 14, 12, it says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I heard a friend of mine explaining this verse once, and he explained how in the Hebrew mind the result was stated first. And the cause was stated last. The result was stated first and the cause was stated last. And so in verse 12, it says, here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. That's the result. The cause is the faith of Jesus. All right. So um, what is the faith of Jesus? Let's just think about that just for a little bit, because there's a lot of other stuff I'd like to get into, but this is like really important. What is the faith of Jesus? I think the reference would be 3SM for one, 3SM, page 172. And it says this, faith in the ability of Christ, faith in the ability of Christ to save us amply, fully, and entirely is the faith of Jesus. So faith in the ability of Christ to save us amply, fully, and entirely is the faith of Jesus. In other words, it's absolute confidence in Christ's power to save, right? Mm -hmm. You know, brothers and sisters, we believe there's a higher wisdom, a superior wisdom, Than our own. We believe there's a higher and superior wisdom than any wisdom found on this planet. And it's from God. He's revealed it to us in His Word. And that's why we as Christians depend upon the Word of God, not the opinions of men or our own thoughts and feelings. We are to take the Word of God. Over our own thoughts and feelings, especially when our own thoughts and feelings are contrary to the word of God. If the devil comes to you and says, hey, you know what? You got a a guilt load that's too big for the Lord to scrub away. You tell him to leave. And you quote him the word of God. Where Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am chief. Paul said it's a good saying. He wasn't just attributing that to himself. It was a saying commonly used among the Christians in his time. He says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. It was a saying that was circulating among Christians. Paul picked it up, quoted it, wrote it to Timothy, and he said that's a good thing to say. Okay? You know, one time Ella White was uh, uh, considering writing to a brother in the Adventist church at her time who was a member of a secret society, the Masons. And uh, she had a vision of him, uh, which symbolically featured him, as it were, standing on this edge of a very tall cliff, about ready to take a plunge to death. That was the vision she had of him, a symbolic vision. And Her sense of that moment was that if I called out to the man, he would jump and take the final plunge to perdition. And in during that view of that man and that vision, Ellen White was instructed by her angel. And her angel said to her, Give him the heavenly password. Do you know what the heavenly password is? Keep talking. I can't hear you very well. Uh-huh. That, okay. So here so here's what it is. <clears throat> when you read first Corinthians chapter two, Paul says, I determined Right at the beginning of the chapter. And I, brethren, when I came unto you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He says, For I determined not to know anything among you. Save. Now watch. Save. Now that's the cutoff word in his statement. Save is the cutoff word. And then he says this. I determined not to know anything among you. That is to not to make known anything known among you. Save. That is accept. The word save there means except. I determine not to know anything among you except Watch this. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Five words. I determine not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, um do you remember reading in, in 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul said, uh, and I, brethren, uh, uh, or how does he say it? He says, he says, I'd rather speak unto you um, a f- a five words than by my voice. I'd rather speak five words than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Remember that? 1 Corinthians 14. So I, I read that one day. I thought, five words. Why did he say five words? Five words. And then sure enough, I went back to 1 Corinthians 2, and there you got it, the five words. Okay. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I believe it's verse 3, Paul describes the gospel, and he says, uh, and then he says that, um, I should be able to quote it, but I'm going to have to go back for the moment. Just watch this again. I'll show you this to you again. If you want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, watch this first. He says, um, well, maybe we can read the first few verses. I'm kind of rattling fast, and I don't mean to, but there's a number of things I want to cover um, before the clock says I'm done But anyway 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says Moreover brethren I declare unto you the gospel Which I preached unto you Which also you have received And wherein you stand In other words this is the gospel Paul is uh, teaching or proclaiming He says by which also you are saved If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you Unless ye have believed in vain For I delivered unto you first of all That which I also received How that There again is the word that That's the cut off word See it First Corinthians 15, three, the word that is the cutoff word. And now is what he's going to say. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that the cutoff word is that watch here again. You got five words. They're slightly different. Christ died for our sins. I was sitting in church one day and uh, a friend of mine, his son-in-law was there and, uh, He's a pastor, and I, he, I knew he knew Greek, and I said, hey, I said, would you look it up here? Would you look that up in the Greek? I'm very curious to see if it's five words in the Greek, too, and so he checked. He said, yeah, he said it's five words in the Greek, too. Pretty interesting. But anyway, look, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ and him crucified is, is the heavenly password. There is the power. Um, I want to read to you uh, a statement here. Um let me just read to you a little bit. Uh, these words are very good. It's talking about the gospel agents. It says, It's agents, that is the men who preach the gospel, must be men who will not hold their peace day or night, for it involves the mightiest conflicts. The results touch both worlds, link earth to heaven, and men with its own exalted character. The cross, the cross of Christ, is lifted up, And stands prominent. So the cross is lifted up and stands prominent. Infusing into the message a new vigor. Its power is seen and its efficacy comprehended. Showing the greatness of the authority of the sin pardoning savior. In the heart of the broken law. His power to forgive sins is high and broad and deep. It is without limit. Have you let Jesus forgive your sins? Did you know in the book, Testimonies to Ministers, right near the end of the book, she says the feelings of guiltiness must be laid at the foot of the cross. Have you read it? Have you heard it? The feelings of guiltiness must be laid at the foot of the cross, or they will poison the springs of life. Go to Christ, believe his word, confess your sins, turn from them, and accept his word And let him give you peace in your heart and a removal of all shame. Then shall, the psalmist said, then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. If those who today are teaching the word of God would uplift the cross of Christ higher and still higher, their ministry would be far more successful If sinners can be led to give one earnest look at the cross, if they can obtain a full view of the crucified Savior, they will realize the depth of God's compassion and sinfulness of sin. You know, what? one time, sometime back, I was in a Walmart parking lot with a friend of mine. We were passing out great controversies, you know, for free. So when I walk up to a man and woman, my rule is to speak to the man first and then the woman. Whatever the situation, that's how I do it. I walked up to two vehicles, their windows were rolled down, and a, a, a young man, and a young woman, probably in their 20s, were talking back and forth to each other between their vehicles. I walked up to the young man first. I said, sir, I've got a gift for you. This book will, will show you how uh, freedoms are being taken away in America. It tells about the lives of famous Christians and explains end-time prophecies and how Jesus wants you in heaven. He said, yeah. He said, I'll take that book. Then I turned to the young woman sitting in the other vehicle. I said, ma'am. I said, I got a gift for you. This book will tell you about the lives of famous Christians. It'll show you how the Bible's true. It'll explain end time events and it shows you how Jesus wants you in heaven. She says, I don't want that book. She said, I'm an atheist. So there were three other people sitting in the vehicle. I leaned in a little bit closer into the open window and I said, isn't there someone in there that would like this book? And someone in the back seat said, yeah, they said, we'll take it. And then before I left, I leaned up a little closer to that girl. And I said, ma'am, I said, I have something I want to tell you. I said, Jesus died for you on the cross. And you are very precious to God. And I walked off. A few weeks ago, I was was working in Mount Vernon with some friends. We were passing out books on a Friday night. And um, a lady came by, and I gave her my presentation of the book, Great Controversy. She says, I don't want that book. She said, I'm a Satanist. I said, but ma'am, I said, you need this book. She said, no, I don't want it. I said, but ma'am, you need it. She said, oh, she said, I'm probably going to end up in hell anyway now, I just want you to think about this for a moment here's a woman who knows she's serving the devil and she lives with despair because her only view of the future is I'm probably going to end up in hell so we went back and forth probably half, half a dozen times she finally conceded and took the book so I praise God I trust that uh, I trust that she'll read it you know You know, brothers and sisters, we need to do everything we can to get this message out. And I'll tell you what, when we pass out the book, "Great Controversy, Steps to Christ, Desire of Ages, these books are powerful. These books are powerful. They will have an influence on other minds that that no other books will. We just got to get out there and do it. You know, you can simply say to someone, sir, here's a gift for you. It'll give you a lot of hope to read. If that's all you say, they can say yes or no, Right. But at least you gave him the opportunity. You know, a friend of mine invited me, so I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I've never heard of this. Have you ever heard of an event out west called the Burn Man event? Has anybody ever heard of that? Okay. So, well, I'll, I'll give you a little caricature, or not caricature, but a little description of what my perception of this event. But anyway, some Adventist man has been ministering to the people coming out of that event for a few years now, and he has set up uh, Sixty miles out from that event, a car wash because these people were coming out of the desert with very sticky, nasty dust that actually eats away at the vehicle. so when they 're coming out they 're ha- you know happy to get a car wash, so he has set up a place to do that, so his sister invited me to come out, so I said, yeah, i said i 'll come and um, it was quite interesting by the way i 'm just going to give you my perception of this event. Um, from what I understand, so what you have is you have a group of people gathering in the Nevada desert, the Black Rock desert, on a dead-end road that's about 60 miles long. There's only one way out. I mean, if you're going to go on east, you cannot go back on east driving a car. It, you have to come back at least maybe 80 miles to go back east. You know, it's way out there. About seventy to 80,000 people gather, and they camp for a week. And it's all under the guise of, you know, innovation, progressing humanity, Um Working together, doing projects and all this kind of thing. And I'll give you my impression of it. That's probably what they're doing. But it's, uh, have you ever heard of Sin City? Yeah. This is probably a sin pit. Uh, okay. So anyway, this man had the idea of, you know, ministering to these people as they're coming out. So what we do is we wash cars for them. And then we would hand them literature, so that we would, you know, there's a lot of work to do. We wash the cars. Some people want them cleaned inside and outside. And then as they're leaving, um, uh, we would say to them, you know, uh, here, here's a thank you gift for coming through our car wash, and uh, it'll, you know, it'll give you a lot of hope to read. So we'd give it to people. Some people turned us down, but I just want to tell you some of the, uh, just a few of the experiences that I had there um, this past week. Um, there was uh, there was one lady that came through. She was just, at, I think she was just by herself in the vehicle. Nice, nice girl. But I told her, you know, about the book, and I handed one to her. And then I asked her, I said, do you like to read? She said, oh, yes, I like to read. So I gave her all three books. We had Desire of Ages, Great Controversy, Steps to Christ right there. It was pretty interesting. Um, the Lord helped me give a book to a couple from Japan, Mexico, Taiwan, there was a very wealthy man that came through from Holland. He gladly took the books. He was in a big vehicle with his family. Um, there was one man I talked to. I kind of keep an eye on him. We wouldn't give him the literature right when they drove in. That was the last thing when they went out. So there was one man. We would try and make friends with him things like that. One man I walked over to and got into a conversation with him, and, and he... Uh, he said, well, he said, my girlfriend couldn't come because she has cancer. And um, he said, she's almost died. He said, now she's getting better. She got some immunotherapy. He said, she won't take chemotherapy. So anyway, I started sharing with him a few things that I knew about fighting cancer. And he became so interested and so thankful. <clears throat> he was so happy. And um, he hugged me twice. Um It it was just like there were some really, really precious people. I just want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. There may be those of us, and I would say rightly so, would look at an event like that and say, you know, that is not good. But you know what? There are some people that are truly in ignorance, and they don't know any better, and they're searching for something. And some of them, when the light is presented, will accept it, and they will come out of that darkness. It will come out of that darkness. Now there was a, a gas station, a parking lot, of course it's just a very, we were, by the way we were on an Indian reservation there, and that's kind of a whole other story in itself. There were, the devil gave a lot of opposition to this project, but I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time on that. But anyway, we also went across the road and witnessed the people that were coming out and handed out books there. Of course we got opposition. One man I talked to, he, he liked. He said he liked Jesus, but he didn't like the Bible. <laughs> and that was interesting. So I talked to him for a little while, but some people aren't very uh, open to things. Um, and there was another man. He's, I showed him the book. It, I had a little book called The World in Crisis, which is part of Great Controversy. He saw that title. He said, oh, he said, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. But he was so hardened. I didn't even bother to talk to him. You know what, brothers and sisters? There is a conspiracy going on. It's called the Great Controversy, and it's from Satan himself. You know, and anybody that has their head in the sand like that, they're you know, they are really out of touch because my Bible says the prudent foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The simple in that text means the stupid. They're not looking accurately at reality. The first Friday night, of course, the only Friday night I was there, of course, we knocked off. We kept the Sabbath. We didn't wash cars on Sabbath. But after we left and and I stayed at a a, uh, campsite up the road, there was a a high-speed chase, I learned later, of some police officers chasing uh, a criminal. And one of the officers was evidently ahead. This occurred only about a quarter or half a mile from where we were at. And um <clears throat> so one of the officers put out a strip. From what I understand it's a strip that has Yep, thanks. Spikes in it, and then when the car drives over it, it'll stop the vehicle because it blows the tires. <clears throat> so an officer had put out one of those. <clears throat> Unfortunately the idiot driving the vehicle ran over the officer. Um and, and killed him. Killed him. So that happened on a Friday night on Wednesday when I was there. There was a police officer came from the, the station, and he said, you know, he said, we're going to have a funeral on Saturday. He said, we want all the vehicles washed um, so they look nicer at the funeral. And um, one of the ladies there passing out books, her name is Neri, uh, a real nice girl, just a real nice girl. She had quite a way with people, just a lot of love in her heart. But anyway, she walked up to him first. She started talking to him. And um, so I walked up there a little bit and started talking to him also, too. But anyway, the man that died was in this man's arms. I mean, the man that came to get the car wash arrangements, the man who died was in his arms when he died. And he was in a very open, receptive mindset. Um, He... um, He accepted about 15 books from us to give to the other officers in the department. And uh, we had a really nice visit with him. By the way, brothers and sisters, I brought something with me here if any of you are interested in it. In fact, I have some copies. I'm willing to give these away, and I can tell you how you can get more if you want. But I thought this would be really good. I made up a little card which features both Great Controversy and Desire of Ages on it. And it tells people how they can... Look this up and listen to it on audio recording. Uh, very conveniently on YouTube, you know. And it's a nice, attractive card. In fact, when I was coming back uh, back home um, Wednesday night, and they, of course they run you through the airport, and you got to dump everything out of your pockets uh, to run through the conveyor. And the man checking things, he saw these cards laying there. And he said he was looking. He said, so he, he got his curiosity anyway. and I gave him a card, and he was happy to get it. But this is a most exquisite recording of Desire of Ages and Great Controversy. And sometimes I'll just hand these out to people. You know, and people are glad to get it. This is a good little way to witness. I've got a good number of these here. Um, I've got a few with me. And if you're really interested in more, I've got more in my van. But I just wanted to mention that to you here. Um, Let me mention a couple points, and then kind of try and wrap up uh, here for you. Look... I want to observe something in the third angel's message. It says, Here is the patience of the saints. Okay, we all know what the word means, right? Obviously, in contrast, the world is impatient. Mm-hmm. If they don't get what they want now, mm, they'll try and get it, or they'll be real mad that they haven't gotten it, right? Right. But the third angel says, here is the patience of the saints. In other words, here are people that, who have self-control. Self-control of their tongue, self-control of their appetite, and self-control of their passions, In fact, when you, read, when you read Peter's ladder of progress in 2 Peter chapter 1, add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge and knowledge temperance and temperance patience and patience godliness. If you notice, temperance comes before patience. An intemperate man cannot be a patient man. You must get control of the appetites and passions in order to be patient and to have control of your spirit. This is very important. I want to read you a statement here. Councils on Diets and Foods, page 57. The Spirit of God cannot come to our help and assist us in perfecting Christian characters while we are indulging our appetites to the injury of health. The Spirit of God cannot come to our help and assist us in perfecting Christian characters while we are indulging our appetites to the injury of health. Okay? Really experiment with that. Consider whether you are eating more than you should or not. Okay? Experiment with it. That's a, 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 a real important point. In fact, we are told that um, <clears throat> the highest attainment in the Christian life is the control of appetite. I want to... I Try to wrap this down to a close real, uh, here in just a few moments but if you'll indulge me a little bit I'd like to share a few things here I want to come back to this idea of the cross for a moment and connect it to the word of God Okay. by the way I know there's tons of stuff to read and even with good things you have to watch you don't read too much too fast and by the way brothers and sisters and I'm, I'm going to interject this I've maybe mentioned this probably mentioned this before but I'm going to interject this again One of the most important disciplines for a Christian besides prayer is meditation, okay? And one simple way to meditate is simply to memorize the Bible. If you could read the Bible through once and you had a photographic memory and... it was there, just like on a photocopy machine. It would be really nice. Be so, like that would be so, like, so nice. But let me just share something with you. It really wouldn't do you a whole lot, of good spiritually. Because do you realize? So it's not all bad to have a slow brain. I got a slow brain. I got to work at it when I memorize Bible verses. But do you realize that in order to really drink from a Bible verse, you need to meditate on it. Okay, you got to, that you can just you can go back to that same fountain every Bible verse. Every promise is a fountain that you can go back to repeatedly and drink from it. By the way, I want to give you a text for uh, when you're out uh, witnessing. I think it's verse 46 in Psalms 119. But it says this. This is a good one. Drink this one in. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Isn't that a good one? Do you need that? I need that. (laughs) Because sometimes I don't even, you know, like, whatever, you're feeling the pressure of the crowd or whatever. That's a good text. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Yeah, I like that one. But anyway, I want to read a quote here on the cross that's really good. And I apologize. This is in, by the way, these, these sermons here by A.T. Jones, by, that Ellen White said that, they were, that arguments in here were framed by the Holy Spirit. It's called the Third Angel's Message. It was 24 sermons that A.T. Jones presented in 1893 at a general conference. They are very good material on the Three Angels' Messages. I'm reading a quote from Ellen White here. It's in this book, and I'm sorry he doesn't give the reference here, but I'm going to read you the quote anyway. She asked the question, Is Satan always thus to triumph? Then she says, Oh no. The light reflected from the cross of Calvary, the light reflected from the cross of Calvary indicates that a greater work is to be done than our eyes have yet witnessed. How many of you saw the the clip from the meetings recently held? I believe it was in Arizona, Liberty Health Alliance, where Dr. McCullough spoke about the Great Connery. You saw that wasn't that good? You know, when I saw that here, I'm looking at a very, very prominent, very distinguished, very accomplished, very precious man who's not an Adventist. Yeah. <laughs> and he stands up and he says, you know what? This book is definitely the truth. I read the last eight chapters. Then I read the whole book and he was recommending it to the people. You know, it's like, wow. I thought this is latter Rain. This is latter Rain stuff here. It's really good. Is Satan always thus to triumph? Oh, no. The light reflected from the cross of Calvary indicates that a greater work is to be done than our eyes have yet witnessed. The third angel flying in the midst of heaven and heralding the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus represents our work. The third angel flying in the midst of heaven and heralding the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus represents our work. The message loses none of its force in the angels onward flight. For John sees it increasing in strength and power until the whole earth is lightened with its glory. The course of God's commandment keeping people is onward ever onward. The message of truth that we bear must go to nations, tongues and peoples soon. It will go with a loud voice and the earth will be lightened with its glory. When you read the book of Revelation, and many or most of you would be familiar with this, when you read in Revelation chapter 10, you have a whole outline of the rise of the Adventist message and the first angel's message. And John is given a book that he eats. It becomes, it's sweet to the tongue, bitter to the belly. And then the angel says to him, thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. That is our work. Since the disappointment in 1844, we have the command from heaven, thou must prophesy before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Okay? So we need to be able to articulate this message. Let me give you just a thought here to kind of wrap this up, because I really think our minds need to be brought back to this concept. I'd like for you to go to a very well-known verse. But let's go to it, Second Peter chapter 1.4. And I want to ponder that with you here and bring out a couple of things. 2 Peter 1.4. Second Peter one four and it says this whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. So they're given unto us, right? You don't earn them; it's a gift from heaven, right? They're given to us. Do you know? I don't have the reference, but did you know that Ellen White actually penned this? She said, "We have a right to a Savior because we are sinners." Isn't that an interesting thought? an <laughs> interesting thought. We have a right to a Savior because we are sinners. She actually wrote that. I'm sorry, I don't have the reference, but it's there. Okay. But Peter says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of what? The, the, the divine nature. Divine means God. What Peter is saying is that by the promises in the Bible, Christ, when we embrace them, trust them, depend upon them, believe in them. When we expect them to do what they have promised. When we drink from them. We will, by that, become partakers of the divine nature. In other words, Christ will come and abide in the soul. There's a lot of interesting statements on uh, just one Bible verse, but I want to mention one to you. Uh, Desire of Ages, page two fifty eight, and what Ellen White does in Desire of Ages two fifty eight, there's a paragraph in there where she quotes two Bible verses. Two Bible verses. <clears throat> one of them is from John seven seventeen, and the other one is from John eight thirty two. John seven seventeen says, "If any man will to do his will, he shall know the doctrine." That's John seven seventeen. John eight thirty two says, "And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Okay. She quotes those two verses. Now, listen to this. After quoting those two verses, she says a huge mouthful. She says this Desire of Ages 258. She says this. The truth shall make you, you shall know the truth, and truth shall make you free. If any man will to do his will, he shall know the doctrine. Then she says this. Through faith, through faith in these promises. Through faith in these promises, every man, that means every person on earth, may be delivered from the snares of error and the control of sin. You know what she's saying in those two verses? She's literally saying in those two verses in the book of John is enough power to save the entire world. One of, the, one of the things that makes the Sabbath so glorious, brothers and sisters, is because it points to God's word as our creator. And the word of God created this world he brought into existence. And the word of God recreates the human soul in, in, into the image of Christ. So <clears throat> let's feed on the word. Remember the well-known missionary David Livingston to Africa? who said, death alone will put an end to my labor. He was no quitter. A lion attacked him one time, badly damaged his arm, got its paw on his head. Someone distracted that lion. Someone else distracted that lion. The lion attacked the third person and then was shot dead. David Livingston was found dead, you know, sometime after that on his knees. But he said, death alone will put an end to my labors. When he was a little boy of nine years old, he memorized the entire chapter of Psalms 119. Shouldn't we be inspired by that? Shouldn't we memorize some of Psalms 119? It's an amazing chapter in the Bible. Okay, so Peter says, "...whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises." That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know what the psalmist said in Psalms 119? He says, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. In other words, nothing's pulling me away from the word of God. He says, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Do you realize that's faith? That's the new, that's the Holy Spirit. When you enlarge my heart, in other words, you give me the capacity to obey. That's the Holy Spirit. The psalmist said in verse 93 of 119, he says, I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. And the word quickened means to to give life. There is an infinite supply of life, redeeming life, redeeming power, In the word of God. Go to the fountain. Drink from the fountain. Memorize the word. Proclaim the word. Share the word. And Christ will come and live in you. The hope of glory. May God make every one of you in here. A messenger for the three angels messages. In these last days. It's time To put away with merely letting the preacher do it. It's time for everyone to share. Right? Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. And the faith of Jesus. Okay let's have a closing song. And then a closing prayer. You wanted to do some. That's uh, I think it's verse 46 in Psalms 119. Yeah, verse 46. Psalms 119, 119, verse 46. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Before we conclude today, I would just like to make an appeal. There may be someone in this congregation today that is not a Seventh-day Adventist. I would urge you to join God's people. We have elders here that we'd be glad to help you. I would also like to make an appeal if there's anyone here that knows that you are in a backslidden condition and you do need to come again to Christ. Brothers and sisters, don't put it off. This is like totally serious. Our world is headed for circumstances that only in Christ will we be able to surmount them and conquer them. And if we are out of Christ, we will lose our bearings and certainly lose our soul. I plead with you, do not put it off a day. Today is the day, today is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Mm. Yeah. So if there's anybody here, please, while we are praying today, raise your hand and rededicate your life to God. If you want any personal help, we are certainly here to help you. But above all, we point to Jesus Christ and His Word and faith in Him. He is the Savior of the world with all power. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for these precious moments that we have. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll help each one of us to walk very humbly before thee, that thou help us to seek Christ with all of our hearts. Father, I pray that you'll put your divine hand upon everyone that is here, that they will dedicate themselves as never before to the great task, the wonderful task, of denying self, living for Christ, depending upon Christ, and proclaiming Christ to the world, that Jesus is soon to come, that there's a heaven to win, a hell to shun, a Savior who has died for them, a Savior who is mighty to save. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll put a divine hand upon Cleveland, the entire state of Ohio, and around the world, that this work will yet go forward in power, by voice and by literature and the printed page. Help us to do all we can to get it out. We thank you for hearing our prayer. Please forgive us of our sins and help us to love you and to depend upon your righteousness and not our own, that we may live victorious lives for you. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.